My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Give her a hand. That's better. That's awesome. Thank you, Jacob. We love you. I love sound guys. I think you only ever notice sound guys when something goes wrong, which is horrible. So we should notice them that everything else goes right, don't we? Um, also, thanks to our interns, that is the first time um, our interns have ever spoken on stage. And that's scary in front of you guys. So um, well done. Well done, guys. Did a really good job. If you're new here today, welcome. Um, I hope you had a coffee when you came in, a free one. If not, you can grab one after or a free hot chocolate. My name is Jenny and um, I'm one of the pastors here and it is awesome to have you guys here today. So I'm going to bring the word today and I'm going to pray before we do that. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that, Lord, you are who you say you are. Father God, I want to pray that today as I speak that it won't be my words Lord God, I pray that uh, we will hear from you, Lord God. And I just pray that we have ears to hear and heart to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have titled my sermon, my message today, Who Are We and Why Does It Matter? Which is probably a big uh, maybe question that I probably should not be asking. You know, the who are we, why are we here kind of questions. Nobody should answer that in a sermon. But it's okay because I've got it down to about two hours. So don't stress. You'll get out of here before dinner. Shorter than Mike. (laughs) So um, I was thinking a little bit about it. And I was thinking, uh, firstly, when we think about who are we, I thought about who tells us who we are. So I want to share a couple of stories with you um, to start with. So for those of you who are parents in the room, you know that there is actually one day of the year, or I guess two, that are the most special days of the year. And it's not Christmas, it's not Easter, we love you Jesus, but it's Mother's and it's Father's Day. And the reason for that is it's the one day of the year that your kids will bring home crafts from school that you don't want to throw in the bin most of the time. And so um, I have found that over the years, as my kids have been in childcare, and especially in the first couple of years of, um, of school, that they bring home some amazing uh, Mother's and Father's Day crafts. And a lot of them maybe do speak a little bit into who we are. So I thought I might share a couple of my kids with you today. So if you look behind me, this is the first one. This is from Noah. I'm going to have to read it out to you. You might not see it. But it says, I love my mummy because she gives me kisses and cuddles. And that's a picture of me. I think you did a pretty good job. I love you because you help me. That one's from Grace. You're the best at cuddling me. Hope so. My mom is as sweet as a lollipop. (laughs) My kids don't get sugar, I promise. And the next one, I love cross-stick poems. So as a mother or a dad, you always get cross-stick poems at some point. And so this one, Jenny, everlasting, natural, nice, yummy, or cooks yummy food, apparently. I took it as yummy. I read it as yummy. Um, Mother, magnificent, OMG, awesome, (laughs) the best, herself, excellent, and reliable, that says. That's a pretty good word. All right, jump to the next one. You always help me with my homework. This one is a lie. I haven't been able to help Grace with her homework since about year three. 
And one of the things, um, dads also get them. And dads get a special kind of ones I find. So let's have a look at Noah's one for, for Mike. I love my, my dad likes lollies, lollies, lolly snakes and more lollies. <laughs> and for those of you who have seen his top drawer, you know that's true. And my last one's my favourite, dad, deceiving, amazing dad. In Charlie's defence, Grace told her that deceiving is like a nice word. So, you know, it's not necessarily his fault. fault. But, you know, sometimes, you know, our kids tell us who we are pretty, pretty realistically. I also have this box here. I thought I'd show it to you. Now, I actually wanted to kind of bring it up because it's all shiny and I think it might be really cool under the lights. It is very cool. Um, dust has been underneath my bed. This is what I call my special things box. So if you write me a letter, and, you, and my wonderful friend Jess, who's standing out right in the middle, sends me, used to send cards every year. And um, they would go into that box because that's my encouraging box. It's what um, helps remind me of who I am. And, and so if you write me a letter and you've written something nice to me, it's likely in that box. And every now and again, I pull it out and I read it. And one of the things I think that I went through it the other day, just, you know, because you get it out and you're having a look at it. And one of the things that I found that a lot of the time was in there was um, a lot of letters from my friends. And who knows that sometimes their friends tell them the truth. And so my, you know, I have lots of great things in there. You know, Jenny's an encourager. Um, Jenny's a powerhouse, you know, whatever. Also, Jenny's really loud. So sometimes they're really accurate. Thanks, Brant. You're not quite yourself. Um, the other place that we sometimes hear about and, and kind of, I guess, maybe get an idea of who we are um, is in social media, don't we? Social media tends to tell us who, we, who it thinks we should be, essentially. And so I did a bit, of a bit of some research the other day and I found out that millennials, which I am one still apparently, um, I'm in that bracket, which is great, millennials open their phone 150 times a day. I thought it was pretty high, but apparently that's what they do. And so I thought I'd do a bit of an experiment because I'm not addicted to my phone, right? I don't spend that much time on my phone or anything like that. So I downloaded an app and have just kind of tracked over the last couple of weeks um, how I use my, my social media and my phone. So I found out that I open my phone 200 times on average a day. <laughs> so it turns out I might be addicted to my phone more than I thought. So I'm higher than the average. I also found out that I spend, uh, on average, about an hour a day on Instagram. It's terrible. And a bit less on Facebook because I'm not on Facebook as much. Um, And I spent a lot of time on Netflix. I think I feel like I could do a lot with my life if I got off Netflix, but I really enjoy Netflix. Anyway, and then I I looked at all the other apps. And there was one app in particular that kind of shocked me a little bit. I worked out that I, or my phone told me that I spent on average under five minutes a day in my Bible app. Now, I'm not proud to say that, and I will tell you that I do open my paper Bible most every day, and so, um, you know, it's, it's a bit skewed, but I thought I spend, I don't know, a few hours every day on different social media and sites like that, and I spend under five minutes using my phone for my Bible app. And so it made me start to think, who am I letting speak into my life? Who am I letting shape who I am? It would, make, it would stem to reason that social media, right? Because I spend most of my time there. 
So when I thought about preaching this message and I thought about who am I and why does that matter, I thought I need to really hone into that a little bit and find out what's going on there, God. So I'm sure some of you or most of us have laid in bed at night and thought, what is the point of tomorrow? Am I able to do anything useful with my life? Why bother going to work? Why bother finishing my degree that I'm probably not going to use? Maybe for some of you it's, why bother going to church? I wonder if we've asked the question, am I good enough? Or the question, why am I their parent? Or even, will I ever learn how to adult? What's the point of it all? Does my life matter? Do I matter? Who am I meant to be? I know that for some of us, we've laid in bed. For most of us, probably, if we're honest with ourselves, we've laid in bed and felt that at times. Who am I? And why does it matter? So now that I've made you feel all down about yourself, I'm going to pick you up with a bit of scripture. So Jess read beautifully to us before, if we can pull up the scripture, um, from Galatians 2.20. And I'm just going to read it out to you again. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So who is speaking there? That's Paul. So um, Paul actually, for those who don't know, Paul actually wrote a lot of the Old, the New Testament. So the New Testament, there's two parts of the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. But Paul was a pretty nasty guy, if I'm going to be honest with you, when he first started out. Paul's job was to go around and kill Christians, essentially, or get them and put them in jail at a very, at, at least. That was his job. That was his life. His life was to go around and stop Christianity before it really bursted out onto the scenes. And um, so he wasn't, he wasn't a nice guy, but at some point in his life, he was walking along a road and he had an encounter with Jesus that transformed his life. And so he changed. Paul changed. And so Paul writes his scripture into Galatians as someone who totally understands what it's like to have a life that is completely transformed by God. So Paul writes in the first line, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what does it mean for Paul to die to himself? Because it sounds a bit weird to say you're going to die. If this is your first time in Church, I'm sorry that I'm talking about death, but um, there is life. It's okay. We'll get there. But Paul worked out that the only way to die, to sorry, to live for Christ was to die to himself. So for Paul, he had to actually have a full transformation of his life. So Paul only, um, not only had to uh, leave his old ways, but he had to leave his whole entire life, essentially, to have a transformation like that. So he not left, only left his job, so he stopped killing Christians, which was great, and he started preaching the gospel. Um, he would have left the cities he were in to go and plant churches in other areas. He had a whole transformation of his life, and that was what it meant for him to die to his old self. 
So when um, Mike and I decided to launch this church, plant this church, we um, firstly, we lived in Valley View, which is kind of up north a little bit. And um, we felt the Lord say, I want you to plant your church in Prospect. And we're like, okay, cool. Um, And then he said, but you need to move there. And we were like, but we own a house in Valley View and it's really expensive to live in Prospect and our kids go to school in at Padere, out in Golden Grove and it's not heaps convenient for me, Lord. But we realised that if we wanted to plant this church, if we really wanted to obey God, that we had to die to ourselves and to our own comforts. And so for us, that did mean um, we didn't sell our house, we rented out, but we rent a place here in Prospect. Um, we moved our kids out of the school they were in. They're in a local school here. We changed jobs and um, we now adore this area and we love it. But we had to sacrifice. We had to die to our old self and our old way of living and rise up again in Christ. And, you know, it's been an amazing journey. And I love that we get to stand up here today and share that with you and share that. I mean, we're still on the journey, but I love that we get to, um, I love that we did that because we get to share that with you. So I thought about it and I was like, but who does that? Who just decides they're going to stop killing Christians all of a sudden and go out and and tell the world about Jesus? Or who leaves their comfort of their own home to plant a church in a suburb where they know nobody and where their kids have to change school and stuff? Who does that? Why, Why would you do that? Why would you get out of your comfort zone, right? So I think it's in the second line. I think Paul talks about it and explains it in the second line. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. I have always felt uncomfortable with the comfortable life. And I think it's because God's given me something that says, unless you're in the centre of my will, you never will feel comfortable. And so for us, we've never wanted to ignore the call of God because we know that the best place we can be is inside the centre of the call of God. And can I, can I say to you, don't ignore the God's call on your life. You will, be, you will never be satisfied with your life until you give it to Jesus. You never will. Those questions that you have in the middle of the night about what, what's going to happen tomorrow and why should I do this, you'll never be satisfied. I learned over the years, though, if I'm going to die to myself, then I have to decide that it's Jesus. Jesus' way is the only way. I had to learn, like Paul did, that I need Jesus every single day of my life. That I need him, that I can't live without him. I had to make that decision. And I still make that decision every day. I know a lot of you think that, you know, because we're pastors, that we don't struggle at all, that because we're pastors, that we have so much time to spend in the Word of God, that because we're pastors, that we've got it all together. Well, do you know what? I'm going to call BS on that. Because I am the same as you. I have been given the same Jesus that you have access to. I have the same 24 hours in every day that you do. The only difference, maybe, is that I said yes to God. And I still live in this earthly body, like Paul says. But I made a radical decision a long time ago that I was going to die to myself and be risen with Christ. And you know what? There is no secret in knowing who you are 
The truth is you must know whose you are. You'll never know who you are unless you know whose you are. You'll always have those questions unless you know whose you are. And you know what? To die to yourself means to rise in a life with Jesus. So when I'm saying I want you to die to yourself, that, you know, that is the way to freedom. I'm not saying it so that, you know, you can go down and, you know, life is hard and and woe is me because we get to rise up in Jesus. We get a life full of joy and full of freedom and full of hope that the rest of the world doesn't know and they need to know. And when you die to yourself, it means you become his servant, his friend and his child. And when you know that you are a child of the Most High God, you want to please Him. You want to share your faith. And how does this look practically? Because I know it's very easy to say, oh, you need to die to yourself and to be risen with Christ. But how does it look practically? I think for me, it's when I make decisions. Every decision that I make is based around what does Jesus want? What does He want for my life? Everything from how I spend my money to how we run this church, to how I act, to how I speak. It's who I hang out with. I love my Christian friends. I need you guys. I need your accountability. I need your love. I need your compassion. I need your concern. But can I tell you that if my non-Christian friend wants to hang out with me, I'm going to go hang out with them over hanging out with you. And I'm sorry if that offends you. But the truth is the world needs Jesus and I need to be that light to other people around me. And for me, I know that my life doesn't end when I die. So death doesn't scare me. Because I realise that I don't need earth, but I need Jesus. And I think when you realise that, when you realise that you don't need this earth, but you need Jesus, it's there you find freedom. True freedom. And once we know this, we can start to become the church that God wants for us. I don't want to be a part of a church, and I don't think I am, but I don't want to be a part of a church that's judgmental, ever. I just, no, not on my watch. I don't want to be a church that isn't welcoming. I don't want to be a church that's fake in any way. And I don't want to be a church that isn't generous. I want to be a church who loves Jesus so much They actually come to church because they want to tell other people about Jesus. They come to church because they want to invite their friends, because they want to be in the presence of other Christians who can encourage them and empower them and give them wisdom and be be prayed for. I want a church who loves Jesus so much. I think that we are an extremely encouraging church. I think we're a fun church. I don't think we take ourselves too seriously, which is awesome. I think we give and I think we serve really well. We have an an amazing worship team up here today who just serve Jesus so well. But I want to be a church who trusts Jesus. I really do. Some of you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable now and I'm sorry. I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. But the truth is I love Jesus so much. That I want you to know that truth and that love of Jesus that we have here. And so if you're here for the first time and you've never walked into church before or you haven't been here in a while, 
Can I just encourage you that what I'm talking about, dying to yourself, brings freedom and brings hope and brings joy. And it creates a community and a group of people that other people want to be around. It creates a place where Jesus dwells. I think sometimes we think that um, God's the problem. It's God's, God, it's God's fault that we're going through this stuff. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg to differ and think that actually, sometimes I think it's our fault. And I think um, looking at my social media stream and looking at my amount of time that I spend on my phone, I think sometimes it's actually my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault that I'm not dying to myself and rising in Christ. It's not because he hasn't handed it to me on a platter and said, here you go, I've died for you already. It's not because he doesn't meet me in worship, because he doesn't meet me in scripture. It's because I don't meet him there most of the time. I think that if you want to go to bed and not worry about tomorrow, then die to yourself. If you do, then tomorrow won't matter. Because it's in God's hands. Tomorrow is in God's hands. And when we've died to ourselves, then it doesn't matter what tomorrow brings. Because God's there. God's meeting us there. My mum, earlier this year, was diagnosed with cancer. And um, no daughter wants to hear those words. But it was really interesting. Um, my reaction was not the normal reaction of a, of a daughter. I, um, I said to her, I said, it's all right, Mum, I knew it was coming. And she just, okay. Um, but the truth of the matter is, a few weeks before that, God said, something's going to go on in your family. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so I was prepared. And I knew, because I had died to myself, I knew that I lived in Christ. And so what happened to my mum was in his hands. And I know God's proven to me again and again and again that he is reliable. He's proven to me that again and again that he is there for me and he is there for you. And, you know, it's, it's six months, nine months later and mum's um, had all the cancer removed and she is cancer free. Praise the Lord, Jesus. And it is awesome. It is, su- it is gl- gl- to God be the glory. But My security was not in whether mum lived or died. My security was in Jesus. And that's the hope that we have. That's when we know whose we are, we know who we are. And so we are able to handle those things. I think we have an amazing church here. We are a new church and um, we are growing and it is fantastic uh, that you've all come here today. But if we want to be the best church in the world, we're going to do a couple of things. We need to be the most Jesus-focused. We need to love people well, even if they're over the age of 40, okay? You're welcome, Brant. You're not quite there yet, Mike. But in all seriousness, we're quite a young church. And we need to remember that we need to love people well, no matter what they look like, no matter their ethnicity, no matter um, their age, no matter their problems, no matter even if they smell. We need to love them. And we need to follow Scripture. We need to hold true to that. And we need to know who we belong to. 
Together we can change our lives and change the church, our community and our world. For some of us, we need to lay down our preferences. You know, when you come into, when you start a new church, everyone comes in with their own little preferences and Mike and I, I'm sure, have ours as well. But when we die to ourselves, we lay down those things and we trust God. So you may need to lay down your preference for how long the preaching goes for, let's say. (laughs) Or whether the kids should be in church or not. Some days it depends on what mood I'm in. You know, or what kind of songs we should sing. We need to lay down our preferences. But how do we do this, right? Because like all the things I'm saying, it sounds, yeah, that's great, that's awesome. But how do we actually practically, how do we do this? And I think it's in the last line of the scripture. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Trust God to give you a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. Sometimes we just need to simply trust him. We have two choices today. We can keep going how we've been going. We can wake up tomorrow. We can go to bed tonight, wake up tomorrow, and nothing can be different in our lives. That can happen. Or we can decide like Paul did to die to ourselves, to change our lives, to change the direct trajectory of our life. Paul was no different to you or I. Actually, he was probably worse than you and I, if we're going to be honest. Just putting it out there, I haven't killed anyone. Not yet, anyway. Um, Poor Mike, he's not going to sleep very well tonight now, is he? But Paul wasn't a great guy, but he changed his whole life when he decided to die to himself. We need to decide that Jesus matters more to us than our comfort. We need to decide that Jesus matters more to us than our careers. For some of you, you're thinking, I have my life planned out, but just watch out when you have your life planned out because God comes along. And do you know what? When He transforms your life, He really transforms it. He doesn't just leave you the same as you were yesterday. So if we, our values, if you've never been here before, our values are real. We're all about Jesus. We're all about people. And we're all about generosity. And if we want to be a church who's really real and who is, all, who is generous and who is all about people and who is all about Jesus, then we have to die to ourselves. We have to decide that this church is going to be where we are every week. I know that sounds crazy to anyone under the age of 25. But we need to make those decisions. We need to make the decision that we're going to bring our friends and our family. But more than that, we need to make a decision that outside of Sunday, that we're going to go share about the love of Jesus that we have in our lives. It is not good enough to walk into a church building and say hello to your Christian friends and then walk out completely unchanged into your week and not tell a soul about Jesus. If you know Jesus, then you need to share about Him. Because the truth is, friends, We don't need the world, but we need Jesus. And I think a lot of us know that in our hearts and we know that in our minds, but we're not actually wanting to die completely to ourselves and live that out. 
I love Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. The band can come up. It says, He is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I got this journal from uh, my children, another, another Mother's Day stall gift, one of those things. And it says, Mum is love, which is lovely. But the last thing I wrote in this journal last year was a very simple prayer. And it said, Lord, use Mike and I to start a church that makes disciples of all people and includes everyone as family. And this is still my prayer for you. I pray that you would fall more in love with Jesus and what he has done for you and that you would find family here. I pray that you would find a place to belong, a place to be exactly who you are, whether you're extroverted, introverted, whether you love people or you don't. I pray that you can find a place to belong even before you believe. Because here you're welcome exactly as you are. But I think, church, if we really want to see our lives transformed, if we really want to see this community of prospect transformed, then we have to make a decision to die to ourselves so that we can be risen in Christ. You don't die and you stay down. No, when you die to yourself, when you make a decision that I'm not going to live for myself, but I'm going to live for Jesus Christ, you don't stay down. You get the best life, honestly. You really do. And it's not because everything in your life goes right. It's because you have someone who loves you enough to die for you. It's because you have someone who you can trust because you know where you are going and you know to whom you belong. For some of us, we've given our lives to Christ at one point in time and another. But we haven't died to ourselves. We haven't died to our old way of living. And for some of us tonight, we actually need to do that. We actually need to care more about what Jesus thinks of us than what the person next to us thinks of us. And I know that um, it's kind of crazy for me to say that you should die to yourself, but unless you, if you want to find true life, then that is the only way. And if you're new here and or you've, you don't know Jesus and you think I'm probably crazy, that's all right, I am. But the truth is I know a Jesus. I know a God who loves you exactly as you are. I know a God who sets you free. I know a God that even when you're in the midst of the hardest times of your life is there. I know a God that holds your hand and brings you comfort when you need it. I know a God that helps you when you're laying in bed saying, why do I get up tomorrow? I know a God who says, I am enough. And my prayer is that you would know that God too. We're going to worship in a second. But before I do that, 
the reason that we've, we've got a relationship series starting next week. But we decided to do a one-off message in the middle because we're a new church and there's things that we're still learning and growing and changing and moving in. But we wanted to do a message and we wanted to do a, a church service where, you know what, you could just be. Where you could hear a word from God and you could just worship God in your own way. And so my prayer for you is that during this time of worship, that you can make a decision that it's better to die to yourself than live for the world. Die to yourself and live for Jesus. That is the only true way to freedom. And there's nothing more I can say that's going to convince you except for you to open up your hands and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. So as we worship, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to worship. Father God, I thank You that it is better to die to ourselves and to live in You. Lord, I pray that You will take this from a head message, just some words on a page, Lord God, and that You will transform our heart. Lord God, Father, that we will make a decision that our lives are better in You, Lord. That we will be a church who is better in You. Father, I thank You for who You are and I thank You that You died on the cross and I thank You that we get to worship You. And so Lord, I pray as we worship now that Your Holy Spirit will move that we will be be able to declare who we are in You. I thank You for the gift of Your Son and I thank You that the freedom that comes when we choose to follow You.